Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. Pete. (laughs) Pete tried to conserve his words. (laughs) And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week and review them. Now, one thing that I'll mention at the beginning here. Please mention it. We have been asking you all to request some books in the iTunes comments. Leave us a rating and then leave us a comment, and then you can request an old OGN or a trade collection or a one-off issue. Next week, we had a request to review Marvel Boy, the miniseries by Grant Morrison and J.G. Jones back in the early 2000s, so we'll be doing that next week. But if you'd like to make a request, we have a couple stacking up, but we would love to hear from you. In the meantime, we're going to head into some new stuff and talk about Iron Fist, number one from Marvel, written by Alyssa Wong, art by Michael Igg. In this book, Danny Rand has lost his Iron Fist, still has Kung Fu. He still knows how to do Kung Fu. He still has. It's it's like riding a bicycle. Exactly. We are meeting a new Iron Fist here who has a very different take on the powers and finding out more about him. Pete, I know you're super jazzed about this issue. So what did you think? Why did you like this? I am super Speak jazzed. Speak that jazz, Pete. Uh, zippity boop. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, boom, wow. Boom. All right. So put your upright bass away. Uh, all right. Hey, cool cats, let's talk about it. So here we go. Iron Fist number one. Uh, I very much enjoy a a new uh, fresh take on Iron Fist. Um, You know, let's go away from the Danny Rand to get something a little bit more uh, culturally less racist. So this is very exciting. I I like this amazing art. Let's get a new start for Iron Fist and uh, uh, let's have some exciting new adventures. Justin, what about you? What did you think about this book? Um, yeah, I like it. I do you, love. And do you like racism or do you dislike racism? Yeah, yeah. Let us know where you stand on the racism issue. I mean, um, I. What do you mean? Uh, I mean. What, I mean, to take it to take your pros point. and there's cons what about what racism. Are you talking you know? about no. It's pretty um, black and white, guys. Wow, great choice of words. Uh, um, I do. Th- I just love when um, when characters like this are brought to a new generation, or we get a new character. I'm always talking right. about like new we've character. seen enough of these characters. Like 
give me a new version, give me a new take, even if it is the same power set or the same legacy situation. It happens more rarely in Marvel Comics. And here we get um, and it, we get to see it in sort of a, a well-done way and see sort of two iron fists, uh, a, a passing of the fist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. I really like this as well. I thought the art was really good. It reminded me, not the art, but the storytelling reminded me a little bit of when Jaime Reyes took over Blue Beetle, where it feels like nice. some sort of thing. Whereas this legacy thing, it's not erasing the history of the character that came before, but it is finding a new twist on it with some new powers and some new intrigue and some new villains. Uh, good writing. I also, this is such a simple thing, but the fact that, like, I feel like they could have gone the round with, oh, Danny Rand doesn't have the Iron Fist anymore. What does he do? Being like, no, he's still Danny Rand. He still knows tons of Kung Fu and lots of of Kung Fu. He just doesn't have the Iron Fist anymore. I thought it was great. I Mm -hmm. just, I really enjoyed that. I found that a blast to read because it's a fun character to follow as well. So good book. Very on board with this. Very excited to see where it goes next. Next up, Robbins, number four from DC Comics, written by Tim Silly, art by Baltimore Rivas. In this book, the Robbins are all heading off on their own separate missions, but ultimately find themselves together, tracking down anarchy, and ultimately realizing, oh, wait, we kind of lost track of Tim Drake somewhere there in the middle. Whoops, too many Robbins. Whoops. But this book is... Awesome. Like it is punching so far above its weight in terms of what it could be. And I think that's all up to Tim Seeley as well as Baltimore Rivas is great on the art. Really impressed with what's going on here. Well, and what I love about it is it's really synthesizing uh, so much of the Robin uh, mythologies around all of these different Robins and really bringing them together. Like Anarchy is such a character that has been sort of around the Robin world was sort of like a almost pseudo Robin with more edgy on the the dark side, the villain side and to have anarchy playing in here. And then the sort of reveal we get at the end of the issue, I obviously was excited for. Yeah. I think this Tim Seeley guy is going to make it as a writer. I mean, <laughs> I wish we could talk to him. Yeah. You know? I wish it would be great. I feel to like he does up the fact that Tim Seeley is going to be on our live show what? next week. What? I know. Oh, yeah. oh my God. So we'll be able to talk to him about it. Wish granted. Oh. Two more wishes on this monkey's paw. And then I'm back to normal. Wish for love. I don't know why I did. Um, Oh, is that? Are you? Is that your Robin Williams genie? I don't know what that was. Was that Jafar? It was like Irish or something. I'm not 100 percent sure. You can't wish for love. (laughs) You can't wish for love or to kill somebody. (laughs) What What is going on? I'd like to get back to the Tim Seeley of it all. I uh, I can't wait to talk to him about this project because this is just a, a fantastic. Uh, the art's unbelievable. The twists and turns in this, the way this ends, it's getting intense. I very much love it. And uh, you guys just talked to Tim Seeley. I'm just going to sit here all starry-eyed and stare at him. Excellent. Well, okay. definitely pick up this book, regardless of how you feel about Tim Seeley, because it's a really good Robin's book. Next up, Primordial number six from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Andrea Sorrentino. In this issue, our tale of Laika and... Tale? 
I, yeah. Nope. Of all the animals who have been sent into space, they were sent to this multiversal construct. They've come home. This is going to change Earth forever. And ultimately, it comes down to the story of one woman bonding with the animal that she left behind. I'll tell you what, I, I know I'm curious to hear about Justin, what you thought about it, because you've been very down on it. This really got me. Like, I legitimately really? went, Oh, come on out loud by the end here. But I think ultimately, like you talked about how you felt like every issue was a little bit light on story. And I agree on that. Spare. Ultimately, this is going to be a fantastic trade. But the art here from Andrea Sorrentino has been like next level good, just in terms of jumping between various styles. Absolutely beautiful. Justin, though. Potentially for the counterpoint. Um, I finished this issue and I was like, what? That's the end. All of this. Amount- and like I, I and after I, I sat with it for a second, I was like, oh, it's sort of like the ultimate incredible journey or homeward bound, depending on what generation you are, um, where these three animals went into space and they had the truly the most incredible journey to get home. Um, to see the this old lady, but there's I just, nothing better than an old lady hug, dude. I don't know what more you want. I mean, come on, wow. Pete, this you're only a- pushing your grandma agenda. <laughs> and keep in mind, on our live show, you talked about how you chased down and almost murdered a grandma recently. So, like, there's a lot of complicated feelings there. But I just think uh, the promise of this book, I thought was, and this may be my misjudgment. Yeah. I thought there was going to give us something different. And when it landed here, I, I was like, I felt like I didn't get enough. Even, and then after a while, I was like, I see, I see what we did. Well, speaking of our live show, we talked a lot about misses and you missed on this. This is a very touching book. You don't need words all the time. Don't review my miss. All right. You know, I think, you know, sometimes all you need is just a a touching moment between two entities. And this is a beautiful book. Entities? (laughs) You mean the, the pets, the animals here? Entities? Were you also referring to humans as entities? <laughs> yeah. A human and a dog just, uh, you know. Are you shifting through. out of reality, Pete? Are you, have you reached a new consciousness? <laughs> That's right, I have. I'm, I'm, I'm mainly manatee now. Wow. It's like you quantum leap. So. Mm-hmm. Quantum leap if it was powered by Mountain Dew. I guess we have a little bit of disagreement here, but I would say if you are interested in something that has some absolutely gorgeous art, definitely pick up this yeah, book. I mean, come trade on. in particular. And next up, Fantastic Four, number 30 from Marvel, written by Dan Slott, art by Rachel Stott. No relation. This is the second part of The Reckoning War, is the war that the Watchers began since time immemorial is finally coming to earth in the kickoff issue. I believe it was an alpha issue though. I might be wrong there. Reed Richards got mm-hmm. this universal knowledge from the watcher's eyeball. And he puts that to use here as he puts his plan into action. Now I'll tell you what, reading this entire issue, I couldn't stop thinking about you guys arguing about it because I'm sure Pete is going to be like, Reed Richards is an asshole. And then Justin is going to mm. be like, no, this is why he was doing what he was doing. But I'll tell you what, maybe I'm wrong. What did you well, guys do think? Do you have the uh, watcher's eye in your yeah. brain? Let's see what happens. 
Uh, I got to say, yeah, there is a lot of that going on, but also this has one of maybe the greatest panels I've seen in a really long time. The Silver oh. Surfer panel uh, and that has Galactus in it is like I, if I was going to get like a giant back tattoo, that was it. Would, this would be this. <laughs> it's when really it, awesome with Galactus barfing a rainbow. Or whatever yeah, exactly. Wow, that is uh, not what I expected you to say out of this book. Beats <laughs> one back tat away. I'll put up the money. I'll let's split it three ways. I'll pay. I'll stake this tat. I want it. <laughs> what did you think, Justin? What did you think about this book? This book is wild. I uh, this yeah. is some, this is some great Dan Slott work because he's taking like he did on Spider Man for so long. He's taking all this like history of the Fantastic Four and just pushing it together into a big pile and building his story on top of that. And it's fun. Um, we get Reed Richard being a dick to human torch purpose. Classic. We get, um, two great panels, um, that I wanted to shout out the one where moon nights land on the ground. Cause the moon got blown up and he's like, where's the moon. I, don't have the moon. I need the moon. I'm the moon knight. And it's just very funny. I thought that yeah. was, it doesn't play as a joke, but I thought it was very funny. And the other one where all the watchers are like, what's wrong? There's something bad here. And they're like, it's always a Watu, that fucking watcher. <laughs> He's up to some shit again. Just very funny stuff. Um, I like this book. I really, I mean, getting back to what we were talking about originally, I really like like, Dad put in the work here with Reed Richards where yeah I you come into this book being like yes of course Reed Richards got too much intelligence and he's an asshole now and he's being an asshole to everybody because that's Classic. what Reed Richards does yeah. and the entire book he's like that's not what I'm doing please that's not what I'm doing you have to trust me that's not what's going on here and then finally he gets to that last scene with Sue where he's like you need to go invisible you're the key here you need to trust me this is not the thing that happens every single time where I go rogue and I force everybody to do these things because I'm relying on my intelligence instead of my emotion. And it plays right. Like it plays right yeah. because he hit it so much throughout the book. And I thought that was so smart and so well done. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of overstuffed, overcomplicated crossovers, but this is completely working for me at this point. Yeah. Next up, Detective Comics number 1053 from DC Comics, written by Mariko Tamaki and Matthew Rosenberg, art by Max Rayner and Fernando Blanco. In this issue, it is all starting to come to fall down in Arkham Tower as the heroes are starting to figure out what's going on with Psycho Pirate, but they're already still very far beyond the ball. And meanwhile, in the backup story, as we find out more. Sorry, about real quick, this, you said they're they're beyond the ball? Behind the ball. Behind the oh, ball, got you. I meant to say. Yeah. The eight ball? Yeah, the eight ball. Is this a pool metaphor you're using, or are they behind a football? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. I truly, and I'm not trying to call you out, but I was like, <laughs> I didn't know what you meant when you said that. Tell you what, sports. <laughs> got you. And in the backup story, this is a field goal home run kick of oh, a story man. as Matthew Rosenberg continues to tell the story of a, a young story, young kid who may be a hero, may be a villain, but everything keeps going horribly wrong for him and he ends up in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, again, I know I've said this about every issue. This book is killing it in both stories. I'm loving them. I, I can't tell which 
one I love more, the backup or the main story. Uh, I can't wait to see what's happening, what's going to happen with this kid. I love how every kind of villain gets a little time with them. It's so intense. But the main story, uh, just love the action, love kind of what we're building towards, how it's all unfolding. This is really cool. I'm having a great time. This is a, a great package. Um, nice. What I like about these stories and it ties them together is really exploring some underpinning psychologies of these characters. In detective comics, you're always sort of in Batman's head or trying to deal with Batman's pathos and shit and whatever. And in this, we're getting into a variety of characters at the same time. And the pacing of this story, the front story, has really been able to pull these like sort of psychological explorations together. So they're really pacing up for the end of it. And I, I think it's great. And the backstory beautiful art and the same thing you're watching someone experience gotham city from the wrong side who we aren't on their side in a way we're always on batman's side or always on robin's side and this character he's a little in the middle like we're like is he a villain is he a hero what's his deal so it's just the stakes are a little higher as we're as we're reading this story also the art's great in the first story too uh, yes. So, so good. What uh, just a nice tight package, as Pete said. Homesick Pilots, number 12 from Woo! Image Comics, written by Dan Waters, art by Casper Wingard. This issue, we're getting an outside view on the huge fight that's happening between our haunted house and our haunted robot, uh, or I guess haunted mech suit. As meanwhile, in the background, a bunch of folks try to figure out what's going on and bring this massive fight to an end. Justin. What do you think about this one? You're a big fan of this book. I love this book. Um, <laughs> I think the scale, well, we've talked a lot over our many issues of reviewing this, all mm-hmm. of them. We've reviewed probably, all of them. Probably um, every single one of them. Every, we have every, talked about every single one. We talked about how just the, the wild details that are sort of drawn together while at the same time telling this like story about kids who are in a band who got into a bad, fucked up situation. And the, the, uh, the thing I want to talk about here, highlight here, is just the sense of scale. We get this huge battle between these two, like, giant ghost manifested structures, which are – which is very cool. But that's actually not the point. That's They're purposefully distracting the world. Uh, and we see the world watching this battle from this very small story about, like, a couple scientists experimenting on ghosts for the sake of, like, American progress. And these kids, one of them a kid, the other one in a giant messed up ghost suit, who have to go and, like, sort this out. And it's just great. It's just – I'm also watching the show Ar- Archive 81 on Netflix at the same time. And sort of these things are coming together at the same time for me. And I really like that as well. Uh, One of the the things I want to add to what Justin is saying, I agree with that. Everything Justin is saying. So for that Netflix plug, but uh, I think the art art in this book is phenomenal. Just really impressive. The way it kind of leads the story. And yeah, it's, you know, for me, it's like this, these two giant monsters fighting and I'm like, yes, this is everything I want in life. But then also to have this other story going on is kind of hard to do in comics and something that I didn't think I would want. But this is doing it so well that I don't mind the fact that I'm away from this amazing fight sequence, which is pretty impressive when you think about that. 
Yeah, I agree mm. with everything you guys are saying. And check out Emily in Paris, season two, now on Netflix. <laughs> Next up, Hulk, number four from Marvel, written by Donny Cates, art by Ryan Otley. In this issue, our Hulk is dealing with his multiversal Dr. Banner and specifically dealing with his multiversal Ross, who is the president of the United States in this universe, who's taking the fight directly to them. There's some twists and turns there. This continues to be big action. What did you guys think about how this has been going on? Pete, you were mixed, but ultimately positive about the last run on Hulk. How are you feeling about this for issues in? This is really unbelievable. The art is really glorious. This is just like some really badass shit. Love to see headless Cyclops. Just very enjoyable. Uh, yeah, I. this is just like such a great mashup of people on the Hulk book right now. Uh, I'm having a blast. This is such a cool kind of story that uh, is uh, getting told here. And it keeps getting crazier. Have you guys ever been to um, a hibachi restaurant? Oh, yeah. Uh, where the guys, the, they cook uh, right in front of you. They take yeah, some sure. stuff and they like, yeah, yeah. they make the fried rice, they flip the egg and they cut it in half in the air and then all that and yeah. the shell. And then the, the shrimp are cooking and cut them and flip the tail and it goes into their pocket. Yeah. It's fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've never seen people more excited than right now. Uh, well, there's a hibachi chef coming to your house right now. <laughs> He's at the door. He's going to cook for you. Uh, no, that that is my metaphor for what Donny Cates is doing and Ryan Otley are doing here on Hulk. They took the Hulk and they were like, they cut him up into pieces and they're like, okay, all the fighting's going to go over here. We don't need to deal with that right now. It's just cooking. We're going to come back to that later. And he's like, here's the, the Bruce Banner stuff's over here. Ha. Ooh, look at these tricks. Whoop, there goes the shrimp tail. Bruce Banner's psych- psychological problems. It's in his pocket. <laughs> and every it's just slice and dice all the Hulk stuff. That are telling it in a totally different, like weird sci-fi space way. And I think it's working like a great hibachi uh, experience. That's Delicious. exactly what I was going to say. I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number eight from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Bilquis <laughs> Evely. This is the final issue of this. Eight book. of eight. Eight, eight of eight. eight as our... Companion for Supergirl has the guy who seemingly put Crypto on the ropes uh, in her sights. She is about to kill him while Supergirl is up in space fighting a bunch of his minions. I'll just say this. This is maybe my favorite Tom King series ever. Wow. wow. I mean, just wow. based on the way this wow. wraps up, based on this final issue. I Tom think King's Bilquist, done some amazing stuff, man. He has, I mean, Human Target right now, too. I so mean, good. I mean, I guess we'll see how that ties up. But Bilquist Evely's art was fantastic. I love the pacing of this Fantastic. Book. You're underselling it. It's the, fucking groundbreaking. It's super beautiful, fantastic. gorgeous, unbelievable art. Absolutely fantastic. I love how this wrapped up. I loved loved the ending of this book. It was such a like, this is probably too strong, but almost Twilight Zone ending to it in a certain way, but Mm. perfectly fit with everything that's going on. Um, Beautiful. Just like beautiful from top to bottom. Every issue worked as an issue. This is a perfect comic book. Have you guys ever been to a TGI Fridays? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Um, I agree with you. And the way the way the ending pushes through sort of the the superhero 
like dynamic into this whole new like type of ending or type of story. It's just so good. Tom King across the board. This is like a a renaissance of stories. And I know there are some people who don't like Tom King out there, but the thing is, every story comes at its character in a different way. So if you don't like one or another, you can always pop into the next one and just be impressed by how great it is. And the art that Tom, the artists that Tom King works with are always excellent. Uh, this is just, yeah, this is next level comic. Hold it up. This is really unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. I mean, the art alone is worth this. Uh, it's the best version of Supergirl I've seen ever. Awesome. Great stuff. Next up, Rain number two from Image Comics Rain. Story by Joe Hill. Adaptation by David M. Boer. Art by Zoe Thorogood. If you haven't checked it out, check out our live show from this past week with David M. I wish we could and- talk to them. I know we just did. And editor oh, Chris Ryle. We should have had some questions about rain. So there you go. Uh, but in the second issue, after a bunch of rain has come down that is sharp as nails, killed a bunch of people, tore a bunch of things to shreds. The entire world is terrified. We're dealing with the fallout of that. But our main character is going to tell the parents of her girlfriend that her parent, that her girlfriend and uh, her girlfriend's mom are dead. So she is heading to, I believe, Denver to tell her dad about it. That's the thrust of the it's book. Colorado. That's the story. Uh, mm. uh, what'd you guys think about this? First off, I mean, that's insane. I mean, you're in a world where it rains spikes that can go through everything and murder you. And you're going to decide to then go outside and go on an adventure. I mean, that that's some impressive uh, I don't know if I'd ever go outside again if it rained like that. But uh, this is a <laughs> this is a very very beautiful book, an amazing story. I can't wait to see how this is going to unfold. I really love our main character. I think they do a very interesting job of setting up a love story and having a crazy thing happen, and then we got to see how it all unfolds. Uh, this is. Classic image, really putting out something that is just great comics. Uh, we talked about it on the show a bit, but the idea of like love story first, character first into an apocalypse story, it's really good storytelling. And the other thing about it is the 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 sort of menace here, the rain itself, is so good because it's like scary and deadly. But also you could just be like under like um, a porch. Mm-hmm. And you'd be fine. Well, you can't. So if like, it's a, it can't be a porch that leaks. You can get fucked by that. You got to get like a you, sturdy porch. Well, I hope Pete, you have a sturdy porch. You seem like a sturdy porch guy. And I've been to your house. Solid porch. Oh, thanks, man. Don't you think your porch would do the right thing? Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, you can't just go under any porch. Okay. Well, uh, when this happens, and I believe it will, I guess I'll see you in Philly. All right, great. <laughs> This book uh, is, but I, I just want to give a specific great. shout out to Zoe Thorogood's art in particular. We talked about this a bit on the live show, but it's absolutely gorgeous throughout. I love just looking at this book, if nothing else. Yeah. Next up, Venom number five from Marvel, written by Al Ewing, art by Brian Hitch. In this issue, Eddie Brock has been reconstituted in this garden outside of time by our new villain, who is making plans upon plans with Eddie Brock. We get a lot of revelations in this issue in terms of how he's been manipulating both Eddie 
and his son Dylan throughout time, as well as a revelation of what he actually wants and what's going on with him. Uh, This is great. This is just so, like, wild and weird and different from Donny Cates' run on Venom while still expanding on it. Very impressive. It's some heady venom. Heady Brock is what we should call him because we're dealing with um, Eddie and then is Eddie real? Is this fake Eddie coming back around? Um, and I mean, Al Ewing has such a does such a great job of creating that suspense um, in all of his work in the long run on Hulk, obviously. Um, so it's cool to see it brought here to um, something that is doesn't have that same built in pathos. I mean, keep in mind, remember Venom started as just like tonguey Spider-Man. That's uh, so not how he started. That was the original name. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. no. Because uh, Spider-Man check, doesn't check have a sense. tongue. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but Does he have you a see, mouth? yeah, Peter Parker, he opens his mouth and it's just this chasm, this empty chasm. Yeah. He's a tiny little snake tongue. Mm-hmm. Because spiders Ooh. don't have tongues. So when the spider bit him, he lost his tongue and fell out. I don't There's know. that famous... A uh, panel of Uncle Ben saying, "With no tongues comes no responsibility." Because <laughs> <laughs> oh cut loose, brother. That's what he said. And then he shouted, "Spring break!" Yeah, and he's always yeah. like, "What does stuff taste like?" <laughs> yeah, I, this it. is getting this is getting kind of tripped out and weird. Not our review of Venom, just like this comic. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm intrigued by what's happening. I'm not trusting what's happening. I don't trust the spiky haired uh, God type character in this. But um, yeah, it's very interesting and creative and definitely worth checking out. What's the furthest place from here? Great question, Alex. And I think technically it's a comic that we're going to review. We're going to review issue number four, Uh. Justin. From Image Comics, written by Matthew Rosenberg, it. art by Tyler Boss. In this issue, our main characters have come to a carnival, always a terrible place to play in into the post-apocalypse. And, of course, it goes predictably bad here with some twists and turns. I love every issue of this. It is an absolute delight to read. Pete, what do you think about this one? Agreed. Uh, Bergy killing the game. Um yeah, the art's unbelievable. You got a lot of creepy stories kind of happening all at once. Uh, very interesting, very kind of intriguing in just the perfect amount of way. Uh, yeah, this is really artistic, really kind of unique, uh, really impressive package. Uh, this is my favorite issue of the series so far. It really, um, all the weirdness comes together so well in this carnival setting. And the attention to detail with the Tyler Bosses are in the panel on like, uh, I don't even know what page it is here, but um, uh, one of the kids punches one of the um, the Porky Pig face guys and the baseball yeah. bat goes through the boff uh, sound effect. And just those little things, it just shows the care that is taken in this book. Also, we have um, one of the booths in the carnival is um, the kissing booth is someone is kissing the children. Another fun little reference there. It's just great comic book work. Very good stuff. Page 20 was the uh, boff. Thank you, research department. Yep. <laughs> Nightwing, number 89 from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo. This is the first part of a crossover with Superman's son of Kal-El, as Nightwing makes good on his promise to help out John Kent in Superman's absence. Here they're dealing with a murderer 
who is killing off a bunch of superheroes. We know that it is The Rising, which is a superhero, not exactly team, but certainly grouping of people run by Harry Bendix, but they don't know it yet. Um, but I thought this was great. I love the difference, particularly, I think it was last week or the week before, we read a book from Peter J. Tomasi that was pairing up uh, Super Sons. Yeah, the Super Sons again. So seeing the difference between the Super Sons and Superman and Dick Grayson was just, I don't know, neat to me. Like, I like the difference in characterizations there. Well, I really love that we got um, we got the scene at the beginning uh, with um, Nightwing and young John Kent before he was aged in the future. And I thought that really just set it up so well, such a smart way to come at this and um, sort of change the um, the partnership dynamic from the classic Batman Superman partnership to a different way where it's sort of the Nightwing, the Batman character has the upper hand in a way. It was cool. I think this is uh, amazing art. Uh, love this story. I loved also the the covers are great. This is a really fun kind of exploration of these characters. Another great package. And shout out to Bruder Redondo in particular. There's a scene where Dick and Barbara get woken up in bed and Barbara's uh, wearing a Teen Titans Go shirt. Yeah. And then uh, Dick stands up and he's wearing these Batman jabby pants. It's just, it's delightful. It's just fun to read. Well, and let me just, I should have said this. The the Barbara uh, Nightwing relationship is just yeah. so, it's, I'm just, it's right here. It's inside my heart. Uh-huh. Yeah. Never take it away or I'll die. (laughs) King Spawn, number seven from Image Comics, written by Sean Lewis, art by Javi Fernandez and Thomas Nachlik. Nachlik, excuse me. In this issue, Spawn is doing a bunch of Spawn stuff. (laughs) I mean, mean, he is. I don't know. I still enjoy this book. I think it's a lot of fun. This is like... This issue to me was the most spotty of all the issues. It's dealing with the death of Spawn's wife, a lot of continuity stuff. I still think it works, and I'm still enjoying it a lot better than a regular Spawn book. But to me, I was like, okay, all right, yeah, this is a Spawn book. I get it. Well, I really like this stuff happening sort of around uh, the sp- in this issue in particular, like the setting up this kid who's going to become uh, maybe this great villain, uh, right. great nemesis for Spawn. I really liked that side of it. And this because in the other part of the issue, to your point, Alex, it was Spawn being like, Wanda, <laughs> Wanda, which is something that I feel like uh, when We've I think of the We've name Wanda, we, yeah. I only think of Spawn. Dude. I, I yep. meet someone named Wanda. I'm like. Wanda. <laughs> Wanda. <laughs> Pete, you're more of the hardcore Spawn fan. What did you think of this issue? I mean, sometimes I think of a fish called Wanda. You know, it's not just Spawn. Wanda. No, a fish I, I, called Wanda. Uh, yeah, I agree. This is a great book. I am uh, very intrigued by the kids' story that's happening as well. Uh, this is fun art, fun spawn stuff. Uh, I've yeah, I've continued to enjoy this. Next up, from one king to another, King Conan number three. Uh-huh, from you see what he did there. Total accident. Written by Jason Aaron, art by Mahmoud Azrar. In this issue, Conan is still on an island filled with the undead, but he's finding out more about how and why that happened, thanks to a lost princess who is on the island. There's a couple of twists and turns there, but this book is 
killing it for me. Like, I'm not usually a Conan fan, similar to the Spawn fan, but the emotional intensity of what's happening here, also just the way that Jason Aaron writes Conan as like a guy who gives no fucks about anything is very fun to read. And Mahmoud Azrar's art is, all as always, fantastic. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. The writing for this Conan is really great. This is kind of a a perfect pairing of uh, writer and kind of like Conan voice. It really feels uh, authentic to a Conan story. At the same time, we're kind of getting new stories, which is nice. And it's also, this is fun fact. I mean, if the zombie apocalypse happens, just climb past two gorillas and you will be fine. You can just hang out and you will be fine. And the zombies will never get past two gorillas. So it's a it's a fun fact. Well, that's a hell of a takeaway. Yeah. If you told me that Jason Aaron had been working on Thor and all of his other books for all this time as an audition to just write a killer Conan book, I would believe you based on the way this book plays out. Because he's able to like tell sort of the wider mythology stuff of Conan and touch on all the different eras that we've seen so many times while also keeping the main story going. And uh, the art um, by Mahmoud Asrar is really hitting the sort of like Frank Frazetta style uh, paintings of Conan and all that. It's just a great version of it that brings together all of the elements without leaving sort of any by the wayside. I also love this idea that, like, Conan doesn't fall for the trappings of, like, gold or material things because he is a fully grown man. I thought that was a really cool take on, like, he's like, no, life is more than just this stupid, uh, you know, shit. And I just was very impressed by that. Yeah, that's why I'm not chasing gold either. Yeah, I I mean, first chance I get, I'm jumping in a fingernail boat, to be honest with you, because that sounds like a blast. But uh, I guess yeah. Conan didn't want to do that. Next up, the Silver I was Coin. Recently, I was recently down in Miami. I rode a fingernail jet ski. Ooh. Nice. I re- uh, sort of Pete, modern. you were also in Florida. Did you write one of those fingernail fan uh, boats? Uh, I was drunk <laughs> the, playing the shuffleboard. <laughs> Oh, nice. The I Silver Coin, <laughs> number nine, from Image Comics, written by Vida Ayala, art by Michael Walsh. In this issue, as we continue our anthology, telling the story of an evil coin that has passed from person to person, we meet <laughs> a corrupt cop who seems to, I'm just going to throw this out there, be in something very similar to Gotham City as he deals with a bunch of arson and other things. Um, I like this issue. I feel like this was not the strongest issue of the book. To oh, be Justin's going to hate that. Oh, Justin's going to lose it. <laughs> is he? Oh, I don't know. Dude, Justin, what'd this is think? Justin's favorite book, dude. What the fuck? Well, what'd you think, Justin? Um, I I like this book, obviously, um, obviously. across the board. Um, I like um, a lot of the art here. I do think the story felt like it was more about the context around it. We get a nice page about sort of the historical background of uh, all the arson that occurred in the Bronx and the underpinnings there. And it felt like it was, it was about that as opposed to just this, uh, a great twist in this story. Uh, But I still liked it. I thought the art was great. And this story, this book is so scary. It makes me really challenge my, all of the coins I have, my personal coins. You want your coins to step up and start being more horrific. No, I just don't want to get accidentally pick up this coin. 
Oh, you know? Right. Yeah. Good point. Pete, what about you? What did you think about this? Um, if you see a coin on the ground that looks like a half-closed eyelid, just let it be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, you know, this continues to be like a horror uh, book. Um, and I'm impressed with how this is still going and still being creative as there are all these issues. I don't like horror, and this book is not for me, but I continue to be impressed by this book. The writing and the art's fantastic. Do the, do your, the eyes on G-dubs on the quarters you have ever open up when you do some? No, man, not yet. Anybody? <laughs> no, not Alex? me either. No. Okay, well, but maybe someday we'll see what happens. I guess Batman the Night number two from DC Comics, written by Jim Starsky, art by Carmine D. Gianna de Bonia. I felt your confidence going into that, (laughs) then you were like, Gia de Bone Bone, later. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. The art's really good. I'm really sorry. (laughs) Gia Domenico, I believe. Thank you very much. This is continued to tell the story of a young Batman in the period when he left Gotham City is traveling around the world to try to train. Here, he meets a sexy older cat burglar who trains him in the world of cat burgling. Perhaps it influenced his interest in women later on. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Foreshadowing. But Pete, in particular, you're a big fan of the Bat-Cat relationship. What did you think of this? Bat hag. Oh, <laughs> to why? Why would you say that out loud? All right, I don't so know, man, I'm just trying to rhyme stuff. All right, so yeah. first off, the art's unbelievable. This is a fun story. I really like the ending. Uh, this continues to kind of like explore the Batman that we maybe don't know for the origin story, Mm. you know, instead of just focusing on the ninja training, which is where I'd rather be. But I think this is very cool and unique and well-drawn and and I'm having a blast. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I agree. This is uh, Chip Zdarsky and uh, Carmine uh, Gian Domenico worked on um, Daredevil. Uh, They had a great run on Daredevil as well. And if you're a fan of that, this book is fantastic. It sort of like looks and feels very similar. Uh, Bruce Wayne has been more expressive in this book than he has been in so many other comics. Um, And it's good. It's just good Batman stuff. I agree. Next up, or actually last up, A Righteous oh. Thirst for Vengeance, number five from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, art by Andre Lima Arojo. In this issue, our main characters are trying to get out of the country as everybody is after them, but things go horribly, horribly wrong. Pete, you've been a big fan of the series. What did you think about all the twists and turns in this issue? Poots fan. Uh, I love this. I love comics that don't focus on the shitty words. It really kind of, uh, it's very minimal with the talking. It's more expressive in the facial features and the art. I love this. I love the tension, the mounting, kind of like, where is this going? You know, if I was being chased for my life, I would stop at a bar you know, by just a, for a quick one, quick belt, and then you're back out in the road. I think this is great. Uh, I'm having a blast. Have you guys ever been to a combination pizza hut and Taco Bell? <laughs> oh my god! Of course, go <laughs> ahead. 
Uh, <laughs> I was just trying to get you on board. I mean, I, I also love this book. This book is tailor-made to be a prestige television show or movie. So, like, it feels like, not that Rick Remendo is purposefully catering to that, but so many of his books are so deeply rooted in comic book dumb and and that world and just, like, characters taking nosedives over and over again. This feels like such a ride-along story that I want to see in action. Good call. And that is it for the stack. If you would like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop. Later! Comic book, love.